platform. If you want to read it, it's, it's funny reading. Read it. It says in the platform they want to extend Social Security benefits to more Americans. It says it right in there. And yet the 80th Republican Congress just took Social Security benefits away from 750,000 Americans. Now, do they really believe? The American people are so foolish they're going to believe poppycock like that. And they say, of course, they're for a minimum wage. You bet they are. The more minimum earned, the better. <laughs> and, of course, they say they say that they believe in the American way of life. You bet they do, just as long as it doesn't spread to all the folks. And they say, of course, that they admire the American government. You bet they do. They admire the American government so much they want to buy it. But by golly, we're going to tell them on election day that it's not for sale. Not now, never will be, never, ever, at any price. But... No, mister, I don't give them hell. I just tell the truth on them, and that makes them feel like they're in hell. Hello, and welcome to the Lone Acting Nominees Podcast, a show where I'm joined each week by a guest to discuss a movie that only received one Oscar nomination, that being for one of its performances. We'll talk about the performance in question, the movie as a whole, and its place in the Oscar race, among other things. I'm Gordon McNulty, and this week I'm joined once again by Jackie DiStefano to discuss James Whitmore's Oscar-nominated performance in the 1975 film Give Him Hell, Harry. Good to have you back on the show. Hello, I am glad to be back. I'm finally glad to complete the... the I'm not sure what the tri, word for trifecta when it's for, but it's... A, the, I, I, yeah, the, I just have been saying, I guess, completing the set. Um, completing but, the set of the four acting categories here. Yeah. Yeah, this makes you the I think the fourth guest I've had that's covered all four acting categories. So a uh, elite little club there. Um yeah. and I'm gonna aim for doing it twice because I've already done supporting actor twice. Now it's just about getting the other three. <laughs> yeah, and there's there's plenty to go around. Um mm-hmm. uh speaking of uh one of those other people that uh, had been that has also completed the set, uh I realized this morning that there's a weird little bit of like scheduling parallelism because this is going to be the last episode that goes up before I leave for New York Film Fest. And two years ago, the first time I went to New York Film Fest, the last episode that I put up before then was when Christoph came on to talk about The Man in the Glass Booth, also yes. from the same Best Actor line. <laughs> Just total coincidence of scheduling. But uh, I-, I realized that and I thought that was a fun little little uh, uh thing there because there's not going to be a whole lot to say in this episode so might as well pat <laughs> it out with any sort of tangential stuff that i can you know oh uh, yeah like there's a there's a lot of little tangential stuff that we'll be able to bring up here like, oh yeah like, like something i just want to say is that uh so i watched this for to watch it for this i watched this yesterday and immediately after i went and watched the truman show just completely coincidentally <laughs> so i watched give him hell harry and the truman show and... love that <laughs> love that uh but tell me a little bit about why you picked this out of all of the uh the, the best actor nominees that you could have to complete this out. what what draws you towards this movie of all movies so uh, I'll, I'll start by saying i partially uh, like when i pick things out when i look through your list of all the episodes that are available oh well, i'm just thinking okay what's stuff that nobody else is gonna do and yeah. it's just like <laughs> That's how you and, get a and, Nell and a uh... yeah exactly I, I grabbed Nell off of you uh, and but this one I actually do enjoy like I had I've seen all the acting nominees before so it's just like I know what I'm getting to with every single film and this is one that like I think 
I probably enjoy more than most people. I think I'm more suited for than most people because I'm a very big theater person. I do especially like enjoy like one person plays and I have a I have an interest in like American history, political history, the the American presidency and all that. So that all kind of comes together to really like make give a Mel Harry just kind of jump out to me. It's like, yeah, if anybody's going to do this episode, it might as well be me. Yeah, also, I just really like it. I think James Whitmore is really good in this. Yeah, I I didn't have a bad time with it. I think it's it's wild in the context of it being an Oscar nominee specifically, but yes. like just as a piece of theater, as a piece of like recorded theatrical performance, I think it, it he is very good in it. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll get into it. So we're talking about Give Him Hell Harry from 1975, directed by Steve Binder. Uh, I think directed the film and or the filmed version, and uh, Peter H. Hunt directed the stage play. Uh, written by Samuel Gallu. It stars James Whitmore. That's it. Uh, mm-hmm. And it opens September 18th, 1975, according to IMDb. That was the only uh, release date listed in, like at all. So mm-hmm. I guess that's what we're going with. Um, yeah. If I may, I do want to say one thing. And yes. so I, I mentioned to you before coming in that there's a fact that I love to talk about uh, that involves this movie. And Uh, The fact is that, so the director of the film version of this, Steve Binder, uh, he's directed two other notable things. Uh, He first directed uh, the Elvis comeback special. Right. And and his character is even in the Elvis movie from from last year, uh, directed by Baz Luhrmann. And he also directed the Star Wars holiday special. (laughs) I did not know that. I did not look into him, but what a... what what a catalog we have (laughs) that's a wild set of three and uh elvis harry truman and uh lumpy chewbacca's son are all three of those um name checked and we didn't start the fire i I know harry truman is i I don't think i don't think lumpy is i know but like star wars in general it feels like star like does it go up to star wars yeah, because we didn't start the fire. It was like 1987. I, I know, but like, does the song but, go all the way up to that? I, I don't even know. Probably. The, yeah, because the Rock and Roller co- Rock, uh, Rock and Roller Cola Wars is the last one. That's the the Michael Jackson. Um, I can't remember. Is it? I can't remember who the other. Uh, well, now uh, I'm just the, looking up the, the lyrics. I'm gonna Coca-Cola see one. if they. Yeah, because I know Elvis Presley is because it's Elvis Presley Disneyland. But is there no Star Wars Star... in? No Star Wars. No, no Star Wars. That's wild, Billy Joel. What, what, what are you doing there? No Star Wars. That's a big thing that happened in that like decades of time. I don't know. I again, lots of tangents in this episode. This is going to be a tangent heavy episode. Um, do yeah, we want I'm, to talk I'm... about our nominated performance first off before the rest of the movie? Sure. Quote I, I mean, this is. The nominated performance is the entire movie, really. Quite literally, <laughs> it it is. It's just him. And I love the statistic that uh, the screen time stats guy uh, he has, where it's like he is the longest by percentage performance because he takes up like ninety eight percent of the movie or whatever. It's literally just the credits and like the little brief footage we get of like the lobby and stuff. And the rest is just James Whitmore. Just James Whitmore monologuing and and changing uniforms and and just mm-hmm. doing this whole play. 
Um, for backstory for what this was, uh, this was a play that I said written by Samuel Gallu, uh, opened in 1975, I think. I, I should have probably written this down. I think the play is from, yeah, uh, it, it opened at Ford's Theater in Washington, D.C. on April uh, 17th, 1975, uh, went on a six-city tour. Uh, this filmed version uh, was in the Moore Theater in Seattle. Uh, it was filmed in Theatrovision, which is they had like nine cameras set up simultaneously filming the performance and just cutting between the, the nine different takes so that it was all done. In, like, it's not cutting between different performances uh, across this tour. It's all from this one night performance, which that's pretty cool. If if there's mm-hmm. any other things to talk about about the rest of the movie, it's that little tidbit about the way it was made. But otherwise, no, it's just we're just going to talk about James Whitmore here. So, uh, yeah, where do we want to start with this performance? I just want to say that, like, let's just start off by saying that, like, he he just talks so fast and i guess yeah. that's like how harry truman is is but it's just like it it, it can be hard to just keep up with him at times yeah yeah there's there's a lot there's a lot of content in this uh it's only like 97 minutes but there's a because you know it's 97 minutes but it's 97 minutes of talking mm-hmm. he's talking the whole time there, there's no like pauses for breaths aside from like when he has to change into his military uniform for like five seconds so there's a a a blackout but otherwise no it's just this it's just the performance the whole time and so yeah it can be kind of hard to keep up with but in in like an exciting way in a way that's like oh oh yeah he's he's really you know committed to the part as you have to be to to be able to do this one-man show for 97 minutes without taking a break like that's just on a theatrical level, mm-hmm. that's worth commending. Um, you know? Yeah, and it's just like, and as you sit there, like, with his performance, like, with, with that being the only thing you're, you're there to think about, it's just like, I, you really get the appreciation for, like, what he has to do here. Like, he, he's so, like, so smoothly is, like, talking to, because, like, he, he has conversations with these people who are not there, because he's the only one on stage. And so he's, like, he's, you, but you can clearly see like where in the stage they're supposed to be just by his glances and whatever her answers like it's he's just very good about making it all seem just so natural like that he is not James Whitmore in this he is just Harry Truman he is having all these conversations with all these different people oh and it's just like it it's just truly like an impressive work like I love theater people I it's when theater performances are done right, they are done very right. And this is yeah. something that is done very right. Yeah. One of the one of the few notes I did take about this uh this performance is that he has really good chemistry with nobody. Like <laughs> yes. Like he, he's able like you are able to completely like ascertain the the tenor of the other person's emotions just from his reactions, which is like a real exercise in acting is being able to react to nothing in a way that fills the like lets us know what the nothing that you're reacting to is and and he does it in a lot of different manners like he does it with these uh uh, like senators or whatever that are trying to uh convince him of something that he won't stand for and with his wife (laughs) and with a kid and with 
the ghost of FDR and all this <laughs> stuff. Like, uh, he, he does a really good job of making all of those interactions not feel like, you know, Clint Eastwood yelling at an empty chair. Like, it feels like there's people there that we just don't see him talking to, but he's reacting in a way that feels very natural. And that's, you know, that that's, not everyone can do that. Not everyone can make those reactions feel like genuine reactions and not just reciting lines to dead air. Like it, exactly. it really, really moves in the space, which I wasn't expecting it to be that uh, uh, compelling for those sections. Like that, that could easily read as like cheesy and, and hokey, but it doesn't. It, it, it feels very like lived in and right for this material. Although th- there was times when I was reminded of the the infamous time, I think it was the 2012 Republican National Convention, where yeah. Clint Eastwood comes up stairs, com- comes on stage, and it's like talking to an empty chair that he's saying is Barack Obama. Yeah, uh, it was just, and I was just thinking about that for at times, but th- this is much better than that. Oh, uh, considerably. <laughs> uh, although only one of them has an Oscar, so who knows? True. Uh, Unfortunately, James Whitmore did not ever. Win. Yeah. Yeah, like she should, which he should have. Like, if not for this, then for like Shawshank Redemption or something. Absolutely for Shawshank. Like, I mean, I'm I'm not taking anything away from Martin Landau, but that I will take away from Martin Landau. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um. Yeah. No. Is he's good in this? There's again not going to be a lot to say about it because this isn't a traditional performance in the way we're used to talking about on this show, where like you're playing a character that has an arc. This is just one big monologue that's sort of like an ethereal uh, uh, time out of space sort of Mm -hmm. just like man reflecting like Truman had just died like in 1972 or 73 or something so this is still you know a very fresh memory of this this man Um, it does feel a a bit like a, a not really a eulogy what am I trying to think of like it feels like there's some sort of ethereal quality to the presentation of it. If not like mm-hmm. intentionally. So like there's at least you get that vibe of like, this is kind of a ghost. I don't know what yeah. I, I really mean by that, but like there's, there is something to this about like, it feels kind of like afterlife ish of like, I can't think of a specific yeah. example, but like it's just kind media, of like unstuck yeah. from time. Yes, Exactly. Like I'm, I'm sure there are examples that I'm just not thinking of, of like media where a character is dead and you see them in like a an afterlife state, reflecting on moments of their their past, or like a a bit of like a Scrooge Christmas Past type thing, although not really at all in terms of like story or whatever, but just like presentationally, it feels like that sort of hopping back and forth between different moments. Um, but yeah, so at, at, because of that. There's not going to be a, as much to say, like, specifically about the performance. I do like the moment where he uh, uh, goes, he has, like, a sort of tirade against the KKK or yeah. or something like that. Like, they're, they're trying to block his candidacy, and he goes and speaks to them and, like, shames them and everything. And I think it's, it's a it's very yeah. good moment of dramatic weight, because I also speaking of things I wasn't expecting from this performance was not expecting this to be a comedy. Yeah. He does have a very sense of humor. Like 
one of my favorite moments in the whole piece was near near the end when he's talking about his uh, his presidential run against Thomas Dewey. He and there's the moment where he sings like a, a song that like Thomas Dewey wrote or somebody wrote for Thomas Dewey for his like, inauguration for, for his yeah. inauguration, and he's singing it like so gleefully. You kind of yeah. Uh, and and also like around that same point, the uh, the image of him like holding up the Dewey defeats Truman newspaper, like that iconic shot, the the recreation of that is he's just like so gleeful. He's he's so he has like a smile that he does throughout this movie that's like, very much like a ain't I a little stinker sort yeah, of smile, shit eating grin, you know? Yes, <laughs> but like in a way that doesn't make you sort of like crinkle up at him like oh that's gross like he's having fun with it and uh it's a fun performance which i wasn't expecting uh although i mean it's called give him hell harry it's not like it's it's a an evening with harry s truman uh uh reflecting on his past and his duty as the uh uh head of the United States of America, whatever. Like, no, there's there's levity implied with that title. I just wasn't expecting it to be more comedy than drama throughout. Like, there's a lot of jokes in this, like straight up, full on jokes that are meant to be jokes, which is nice. It's, it was it was fun to have that sort of uh, uh, tenor about it. Yeah, I I did write down a few of the lines that I really enjoyed. It's like so one of them is. Uh, the guy who woke up in a coffin with a lily in his hand and wonders if I'm alive, what am I doing here? And if I'm dead, why do I need to go to the bathroom? <laughs> uh, and there's just the line. Uh, I think it's when he's talking to the KKK. It's like they give him some like proposition or whatever. It, he says, you can stick it where the good Lord intended all such things to be stuck, which is yeah. a very good way to phrase that. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, from the beginning of the film, it's like when he's talking to like the rail workers, like the uh, there's a some labor strike or whatever. And it's like the good Lord may have built the earth in six days, but that was surely before labor unions. And yeah. I think that that line is intended to be like anti-union, but it also works pro-union. It does. Yeah, it, it's it's a funny little sort of accidentally. Uh, pro-union line there's one that i wrote i didn't write a lot of notes uh let me count how many i actually wrote uh eight or eight notes on this whole movie um but one of the ones i did write is he's uh it's it's another sort of joke line about madison i don't remember which president he's talking about it wouldn't be madison it would be later but uh he was talking about how uh he was criticized in his time for uh uh keeping a whore on the premises uh i you know what i call that i call that a widower with means i think that was chester a arthur arthur talking about there right yeah um there's just little bits like that where he he's very proud of his jokes uh and it's fun it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. a fun little performance uh yeah it, it it just really is there's also one where it's just like he's it's like one of the things he wanted to do in the White House was meet the ghost of Abraham Lincoln. But it's like he never did. And then Theodore Roosevelt, he said he met him all the time. It's like it, it sure helps being a Republican. Yeah. Yeah. That was another. I almost wrote that one down. That's a that's a good one. Um, he sounds like Ned Flanders in this. That's one of my other notes is that he sounds <laughs> a lot like Ned Flanders in this. Speaking of The Simpsons, though, that, yeah. that one of my notes was so 
one of the things this film does is that it it's very kind to Harry Truman because yeah, there, there's true. a few there's a like it does very portray him very nicely and it's like while at times it's like and there's parts of this uh thing that feel very of its time in terms of the way it views like the presidency and American politics and things like that uh it's just like and it's like you could read it as like oh uh this isn't meant to be like promoting him it's just how he thinks and it's like it leaves the audience to like think for themselves or whatever judge the way they want but it's very much written for a person who agrees with harry truman enjoys the presence of harry truman and all that and it reminded me of a simpsons episode uh it's called mr lisa goes to washington and in that episode uh lisa simpson she discovers that there's a politician who's like taking bribes uh, and like writes this very inflammatory like call out essay about it because she's in this essay competition and the episode then very very farcically like like has the government like working very swiftly to oust this uh, corrupt official because how how dare they the government would not stand for such corruption and, and there's this one scene like in this montage where they're ousting him with with George H.W. Bush president at the time I mean he's like signing this order or whatever he's like this is sure to make my boss happy and, and someone says you're a boss sir and so he says yes all 200 million of them and it's like that's the kind of shit that this reminds me of it's but it's like it's yeah. not played for laughs. It's like it's very genuine. Like Harry Truman, he is so he is so focused on the American public. He is working for us as he's he's not tied up in all of that Congress congressional bullshit or whatever. He's a which, man of the people, which every fucking president lies about. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. But but yeah it's it's just what you kind of would expect from something like this yeah especially so soon after he had died and also in the midst of like right around the the watergate yeah. era of like oh like right after the reg- resignation of richard yeah. nixon and all that wouldn't it be and, nice to go back to a, a, a good old american president that stood for american values <laughs> like harry truman it, it's yeah just, it's very much that it's so it's so funny, not just because, like, like one, there's, like, a few different lines where it's, like, they're clearly, like, calling out, like, Richard Nixon. It's, like, there's one line. He calls uh, him a Harry... son of a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I think that scene's, like, set in, like, 1960 or whatever when he's running against Kennedy. And then there's also a line where he set, says it's, like, the only way a person can make money in politics is if... if is if they're a crook and then there's like Richard Nixon's famous line I'm not a crook or whatever. Yeah. And there's also there's... A, another one of the joke lines that I thought was good which is a uh, uh, Richard Nixon uh can tell lies out of both sides of his mouth and if he ever catches himself accidentally telling the truth he has to keep his hand in a lie just to make sure he doesn't lose it. <laughs> that was a good one. It's a, it's, yeah. a good, it's a good bit. It's a good burn. Yeah, and also I I also think about how like Harry Truman was not liked when he was president. Oh it's no! Like he, yeah. he was very unpopular. Or but it's just like the fa- just the fact that like twenty years later, it's just like they, you can make something like this, and people are like, "Wow, Harry Truman! Everybody loves him. He's such a, he was such a great president." Which yeah, what is it yes, about he... Harry Truman specifically that he's the one that? that uh, uh the writer decided to make this play about like out of all of the american presidents you could do harry truman yeah and it's like 
Harry Truman did have a bit of like a reappraisal after the fact. It's like he did like rise in popularity, but at the same time, it's like he just wasn't the best president. Well, I guess it just really depends on what you want from a president, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, in a sense, all of them are evil. Oh, yeah. As the president of the the United States, of course. mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, but in terms of Harry Truman, it's just like he's. He's the guy with the true the Truman Doctrine. It's where it's just like you got to be interventionalist in order to like uphold the, the the American democracy or whatever, just like squashing all communism. And actually, that was interesting because they portray him as being like anti McCarthyism and things like that. Even though he very much himself was anti communist and was very much uh, trying to you know seek out communists and get them ousted from all positions or whatever yeah it's just like but no and this they make him seem like oh he hates joe mccarthy and everything he stands for it's like because at this time the blacklist was very much frowned upon yeah a little bit of revisionist history with that Mm -hmm. uh if if you want a a more you know searing portrayal of harry truman uh, uh what did you think of gary oldman and oppenheimer for his one scene I I think he did a very good job in in his one scene, and it's yeah. it was a very fun. He Oppenheimer is also an unexpectedly funny movie, and that it may is. be one yeah. of the funniest scenes. Yeah, yeah. Gary Oldman's having a having a, a great time in that scene for some reason. Uh, no, it, it was fun to see that pop up. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I knew we were going to mention Oppenheimer. I wasn't sure at what point, but I knew we were going to end up mentioning it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you got it. You got a, You got Harry Truman in theaters still right now. I, I think Oppenheimer is probably still showing somewhere. Yeah. It's making yeah, so like much it's money. definitely at the end of its run, but it's still playing in a few handful of theaters here. And yeah, there. it it it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility that that ends up breaking a billion. What's it at now? I I, mean, I don't think it's gonna break a billion, but I think it's at like eight hundred something. I I thought it had crossed nine hundred, but I could be wrong. Oppenheimer box. Let's office. see. Uh, according to Wikipedia, at least, yeah, it's at nine twenty six point oh, wow. six million. Yeah, it is not entirely out of the realm of possibility. It, it could cross a billion. We we will have to wait and see. But like, you know, it's closer to that than to not. Um, All right. Yeah, Harry Truman in theaters now. Go go Harry, go! Check out Oppenheimer. Harry to, Truman to, to, in for, theaters now. More of that good old Harry Truman action. Uh. I, I'm just imagining somebody going out to see Oppenheimer because they just really want to see Harry Truman in a movie. When's Harry Truman going to show up in this goddamn movie? <laughs> Where are they going to get to the fireworks factory? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, what else do I... I I have not, re- again, gone through almost all of my eight notes that I wrote. Um... I, I wrote down nine notes. Okay. Notes, but I, what else do you got? And anything so, we haven't touched on? Uh, it's I've got a few things just about like the whole format that it's in because I like how it, the the film opens with like a little crawl that explains exactly what a pro shot is because it's like the the filming of a stage production and putting it in theaters or whatever was not a very common thing like it is nowadays. Yeah. It's just like this is one of the earliest examples of like pro shots, especially especially in terms of like something like this becoming popular or because this is this was like a big hit, clearly, because it got the Oscar nomination and stuff. Of, and it's just like 
it, it just was not common at all to be filming things live on stage. And so it, it's just fun to see that little explanation. And plus yeah. the filmed in theater vision or whatever it was. Theatrovision. Theatrovision. It, it's just like, it, it's just silly. And I like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is also apparently the first movie that was shot on video to get an Oscar nomination, which is cool. Oh, that's nice. Uh, just like... Okay, one of the weird things, uh, uh, dipping back into our uh, uh, weird IMDb trivia things, if you look on the IMDb trivia for this movie, like half of the the trivia bits are like, here is a piece of information just like sort of factually about the movie as cited by what Roger Ebert said about it. Like, (laughs) Roger Ebert said this movie was shot on camera. Like, there's, there's like multiple items in there that are just cited to... Like it's it's they're they're citing their works for pieces of factual trivia, not like Roger Ebert said this sort of like a opinion, like a critical opinion about the movie. No, Roger Ebert said this is a movie. Uh, <laughs> that is like there's like Leonard Malton gets cited as like describing how the cameras worked or something. Like it's very strange <laughs> IMDb trivia for this movie that I, I once again tangentially related things to pad out the runtime for this episode uh because we're at 35 minutes in and i'm out of notes oh we're only 35 minutes i thought we were almost at an hour no no we're like not even maybe 35 because we started a little bit later than than three proper so oh my boy uh what else is there to say about this specifically i can like give you a sort of pseudo quiz that i didn't actually write out questions for but i did take note of the go ahead give me for so james whitmore here oscar nominated for playing harry truman you might not know this but harry truman was president of the united states uh there have been 11 oh no uh counting him there are 11 uh instances uh performances as a u.s president uh former current uh uh, fictional, non-fictional, that have been Oscar-nominated. Can you name the other ten times that that happened? Okay, so I'm going to start off with the three times for Abraham Lincoln. Two. Because two? I Oh, was Henry Ford not nominated for that? Henry Ford only has the or, two acting nominations. Okay. Grapes of Wrath and On Golden Pond. Okay, but Raymond Massey and Daniel Day-Lewis were both nominated for playing Abraham Lincoln. Correct. Uh, then there's Anthony Hopkins as Richard Nixon. I think he was... Yes. The- only Nixon? Was do you, do you was there another guy feel confident Nixon? in that? I'm I'm not totally confident, but I'm trying to. I can't really think of anybody else who was nominated for playing Nixon because I know Philip Baker Hall in Secret Honor wasn't nominated, even though he that's literally the best performance of all time. Um, but there's also a lot of fucking Nixon movies. There's a lot of Nixon movies. Uh, I, I'm gonna move on from that for now. Yeah. Uh, Oh, was there another person nominated for playing Nixon, though? I feel like you know, I know you know, but I think (laughs) I I do. But yeah, well, I'm not gonna. They're not gonna give you hints. Yeah, I'm I'm just gonna move on. Yeah. Um, Okay, I'm trying to think of other presidents. You you said including like fictional presidents. Yes, there are three fictional presidents on this list. Oh God. One of which I think, at least according to the Wikipedia page. Uh, by the plot of the movie is a former president is not a, a sitting u.s president okay oh there's um i know there's 
uh, Anthony Hopkins was also nominated for playing John Quincy Adams. That is Amistad. Um, I- I'm just running through the presidents in my head, trying to think like who has gotten on. Um, oh, wait, no, that one. I was going to say uh, Sunrise of Campobello, but that was just Greer Garson. Yeah. FDR didn't come, get nominated in that. There's one on here that you did a whole other podcast about uh, on another Oscar podcast that's sort of like a... a oh, yes, of course. Fucking Wilson. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and, and Knox. Alexander, Alexander Knox, Knox playing yes. Woodrow Wilson in the Correct. movie Wilson. I, you shouldn't have had to remind me of that. I should have just known that. I, ha- oh I had to God. double check. I just pulled it up now. Like, wasn't that you on that episode? It, yeah, that, sure that was. was me. Yeah. Oh, God. So that's... I've got six, including today's nominees. Yes. Yeah, so you have A. two more... Uh, that are both from the they're both movies from the 21st century that are are real presidents that actually existed okay that the fact that they're both 21st century is confusing me because i feel like that that's not the kind of thing that would get nominated nowadays but also like one of these also oh there's sam rockwell who played george w bush correct in vice and um the other one it's another case of uh not the sitting president in the events of the movie but uh still very much a real president that may or may not have been uh, an oscar nominated subject twice (laughs) oh who else has been nominated for things i don't even know I, i it doesn't help that like these are like um who were you saying these are the men yes yeah these Who are, are you saying team. has maybe been uh, nominated? It, there's another Nixon. Who else? They're, they're, Who else has played Nixon? Uh, someone oh that uh, was oh. just in in a movie that I covered, not on the main podcast, but as a bonus episode of this podcast. Who, like, in the first ten minutes of the movie, throws himself in front of a train? In I... case you've seen Wall Street, money never sleeps. I have not seen Wall Street Money Never Sleeps. <laughs> okay. Oh, um, God. I'm uh, just. It's a titular Nixon. Titular Nixon? What? Oh, my. Because uh, along like, with I... another person. There's two titular roles in this. Oh, my God. But it's like, it's not Elvis and Nixon because that wasn't no. nominated for anything. But that's the only thing my mind can think there, of. There's. What's a very famous thing that Richard Nixon did after his presidency? A very oh, famous fucking event. Frost Nixon. Oh my yes. god. How how is it that the two that I just could not remember were two of my favorite films in this category in in Oscar history? Fucking Wilson and Frost Nixon. Exactly. Oh my god. And then we got three so, fictional presidents. Do you want to try your hand at that? Can you give me like a time range just so okay. I can uh two of them are I think even in the same year. Uh, maybe I'm wrong about that. The two of them are in the '60s. One of them is in the 2000s. Oh, there's um, the best man, Lee Tracy. Yes, Lee Tracy. That's the one that I think he's not the sitting president um, in the the events of the movie. Yeah i I think he might. I think he might be president in that. I don't know. We'll, I'll get to it whenever I cover it on this show. I I might actually. I was going to say I'll volunteer for that, but that's a supporting actor. I don't need yeah. to do any of those for a while. I also do think I have someone that's a, a either requested or like sort of pocketed away as like maybe to do in the future. So it's not uh, seven days in May, is it? Not no, Brian. Oh, uh, no. 
Because one I know these, that's a... Um, okay. One of them is a comedy. Comedy, ooh. Comedy president. Comedy, comedy president. <laughs> this Just year, you... Kevin James is comedy president. <laughs> I, I promise I didn't go for Kevin James just because of the memes going around right now. I went for Kevin James because he's the president in Pixels, which isn't better. That's not a better reason for that. I shouldn't know that. Comedy in chief. <laughs> I would watch that. I would I would watch Comedy in Chief starring Kevin James. Oh my wait, wait, so you'd have you to said... pronounce it as comedy. Comedy and <laughs> Okay, wait. So you said once in the sixties. What was the other one? The... From the two thousands. Two thousands. Okay. I let me try and think about that uh, because it's, it's like... a movie that also features an actor we were just talking about for also playing a president. Uh... Kevin James. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, a little bit further back than that. Before this game, uh, okay. a- another Harry Truman. Another Harry Truman. Okay. Who else were we talking about for playing Harry Truman? We were talking about Gary Oldman. Yes. So this is another movie that has Gary Oldman. God, Gary Gary Oldman's in fucking everything, though. That's true. That doesn't narrow it down. A Gary Oldman movie with a president. Gary Oldman movie. Oh, wait. It's... Oh, wait. I was... I, I got off track into like '90s political thrillers because I thought like Air Force One maybe, but no. I would have that... been cool if Harrison Ford got nominated for that, but no. Uh, um, and Gary Oldman is in that. He plays he the is. terrorist. Yes. Um, but no. That's Gary Oldman that. as a senator. This is like probably oh, the closest oh, he got to an Oscar is, um, nomination before. Is this the contender? It's the contender, Jeff Bridges. Jeff nominated Bruce. for playing President Jackson Evans, which my favorite anecdote about that is uh, a few years ago here at the, the campus cinema, uh, they did a screening of that with uh, Rod Lurie and the composer for the movie, who I think is like a, a part of the music department here uh, on campus. But uh, in sort of the Q&A afterwards, Rod Lurie tro- told the story about there's like the big speech at the end of that where Bridges like on the Senate floor, like condemns everyone or whatever for, you know, uh, believing this sort of hearsay and, and letting all that cloud their judgment of John Allen. And he gives this big speech. And mm-hmm. uh, the story that uh, uh, Lurie told was that when they were filming that scene, like Bridges wasn't on set and they couldn't f- figure out where he was. And someone went to his trailer uh, and they opened the door or they like knocked on. I was like, Hey, Mr. Bridges, you're wanted on set. He opens the door. Huge cloud of weed smoke comes out. Uh, <laughs> and he's so high. He's like, yeah, man, I'll be on the set. And like, 10 minutes and he goes he shows up um they calls action does the scene perfectly like you know sort of lets the sort of highness go away and he gives the scene great and then they call cut and he goes he goes right back into high jeff bridges of like yeah man that was great i'm gonna go back to my trailer i just i love that i think about that any every time i think about his performance in that is that his great like big speech at the end is high off his ass uh, and we got one more, uh, and this is another one that I think you're going to kick yourself. Although, and this is going to be a big hint, uh, it's not the performance from this actor that you immediately think of when you think of this movie. Okay, I I was thinking of someone for a moment, but I didn't think he actually played a president in this movie. But now that you say that, I think I'm right. 
Uh, so does Peter Sellers play the president in that? <laughs> yeah, the the bald one in the war room. I didn't That's... realize he was the president. I thought yeah. he was just like just one of the white one of the guys? officials i didn't no, think that... he was the president yeah it's president merkin muffley wow uh because uh, you know that's a, a joke there but yeah he's also the president um good for him yeah i i wrote down just like other actors that have played presidents in in various forms uh not all of them because there's a lot there's like a whole wikipedia page of people that have played u.s presidents but like other performances as real presidents you got like philip baker hall like you mentioned um wrote down a wild list of names because you have nick nolte bruce greenwood josh brolin paul giamatti brendan gleason rip torn robin williams bill murray and brian cranston but there's like a lot more i don't know why those are the select few names that i picked but that's some of them yeah i Uh, i have a letterbox list of movies that are about presidents like either like the, the the main character in the movie yeah. is a president either before or after their president or during their presidency. Yeah, I went through like a year ago or, or something and I, I on my Instagram just for the sake of it, like went through and found a depiction of every president and found a screenshot for them and put them in, in like a grid. And some of them it's like there there just aren't any like there's one. I don't yeah. remember who it was, but there's one that the only depiction I could find was from a like funnier die sketch that was like sequels to Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter about other presidents doing other monster hunting. And I think it was like <laughs> John Tyler, like headless horseman fighter or something like some version of that. I don't remember if it was even specifically John Tyler, but there's one president like that was the only thing I could find for them. Uh, uh, there's another one that I could, the only thing I could do was one of the many a Hall of Presidents heads from Futurama. Like, <laughs> it, it was a very sparse list for some of those presidents we don't remember. And then, mm-hmm. like you said, there's like 20 Nixons and 20 Lincolns to pull from. So uh, a, a bit lopsided there. I think I did have uh, James Whitmore as Harry Truman in that post. Um, but nice. Yeah. I, I mean, that's probably the only... I guess you could do, I think it was Gary Sinise as Harry Truman, too, if yes. you wanted to. Yeah. But I, I feel like, I don't know, James Whitmore's better. Yeah. Yeah. He got an Oscar nomination for it. Um, mm-hmm. There's even a Joe Biden. There's even a, a Greg Kinnear as Joe Biden from like 2016. Uh, oh, and like, I guess it wouldn't be one of the Obama movies because those were both before his presidency. But... Yeah. No, it was, um, what, what was that one called? Greg Kinnear joe biden uh something called confirmation mm. yeah i tried oh, was to... that was that about like the confirmation hearing for clarence thomas or something uh let's see 2016 tv movie yes yes it was mm-hmm. uh with Kerry washington and wendell pierce jeffrey wright eric stone street uh, yes. bill Irwin, treat williams dylan baker a lot of people in this uh jennifer hudson weird um interesting uh yeah i I think for that again like the other thing that would be too obvious would just to do all snl uh i i wanted to you know restrain myself so the only snl one i had was chevy chase's gerald ford uh who oh yeah uh, that's gonna be one that's kind of hard to do yes yeah and also gerald ford uh, gave this movie a good review or not maybe not movie the performance i think he's he saw like the the live 
performance of it. But uh, that's cited in Inside Oscar as one of the many uh, glowing praises that this performance got was from President Gerald Ford. Good for him. him. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Well, one other note that I did write as a joke, but I I did just want to get this out there was uh, maybe potentially this year to add to the list of Oscar nominated presidents. We could have Gary Oldman, but we could also have Uma Thurman for Red, White and What's the? I actually am Royal Blue, Red, White, and Royal Blue. I forgot the the title of the movie that I haven't seen. Uh, <laughs> right as I was about to deliver the punchline, uh, really, really stuck the landing on that one, didn't you? Good, good job. I, I'm proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, anything else we want to say about this performance, or do we want to move on to the rest of the movie? I just want to think think about like how interesting it is that like. I think we should nominate like pro shots more because like we also have had times. I think it's La Traviata that that was like a filmed production of the opera that got like two nominations for like production and costume design. I think that came up when we were doing our best little whorehouse in Texas episode. I think it did. Yeah. Just like I just enjoy thinking about like weird little Oscar nominees like that. Yeah. It's just like I think it should happen more. And it's like, no, I I don't think it should have happened with like Hamilton because that was something people were saying was going to happen. But they sure were. That was a a scary week. (laughs) And it I think it I actually no, I think it ended up not being eligible because I think they were like one they like put made made it not release in TV on in theaters or whatever. Yeah. It did get Golden Globes nominations though. It did get I, Golden I remember. Globes. Let me because I remember that best actor in a musical comedy lineup is weird and bad. Uh that's speaking of Golden there. Globes, James Whitmore got a Golden Globe nomination and a Grammy Award for those. He did. Two Grammy Awards, kind of. Uh kind of? Uh well I mean the movie the the movie itself got one and he got one specifically separately but um oh yeah no it wasn't as bad as i remembered because you had andy sandberg for palm springs and def patel for personal history of david copperfield and also sacha baron cohen and borat too was fine but uh yeah the just the one-two punch of lin-manuel miranda and hamilton and james corden in the prom uh remember the prom everyone Remember the prom. That was a movie that certainly existed. That was a uh, uh, very uh, indicative of the COVID year that that movie happened. <laughs> uh, anyway, we just, we just certain we just had what we had and had to deal with it. We sure did, and that we sure did nominate James Corden for it for a whole Golden Globe. That was also the year that they nominated music. Sia's music. Oh God, yeah, that was. I don't. I I remembered the the or not Rosamund, but the the Kate Hudson nomination. Rosamund Pike won for I Care a Lot's talk about COVID. Movies. Yeah, that was weird. Um, Kate... Oh God! Uh, but remember that music also got a Best Picture musical or comedy nomination. Oh God! Yeah, and wasn't that when we were finally like, okay, we gotta stop the corruption of the Golden Globes? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the one. That was the one that did it. Uh, because nobody knew about that movie and then the Globes nominated it and everyone was like what is this movie and we looked it up and we were like oh no it's this this is terrible and then it won a bunch of Razzies it did Uh, it it sure did Mm -hmm. Um, I had something else oh yeah uh, just speaking to the uh, before we got on another tangent uh, uh, it is kind of weird and wild to look at this in the perspective of this movie getting this nomination the year after scenes from a marriage 
Like, I know that's not the same thing. I know that that's different circumstances, but it still does feel weird that like that movie got disqualified for being shown on TV and this not a movie still got nominated. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, on the it is a movie. It's a movie. But like, is it, though? I say it like I I'm very much would have been for the nomination of Lee Bowman. Yeah. But also I I get like why like the Academy had it had actually I mentioned this on my my own podcast. So but the reason that Liv Ullman couldn't get nominated was because of the 1971 Christmas Carol. Uh, That was another episode that I was on. Oh, that was your episode, wasn't it? That was mine. We yeah, keep I'll mention it on your podcast too. But yeah, but yes, it's just like it's because 1971 Christmas Carol won, even though it was not previously nominated for, or it was previously shown on TV, and so it's like, and after that, the Academy was like, "Oh, this sucks. We shouldn't allow things that were on TV to be eligible for the category," and so they made that rule, and then Lee Volman was snubbed. Yep, she sure was, and it's a damn shame. Uh. Although also wasn't Man in the Glass Booth shown on TV for something? Maybe. I think that was like a I think the case with that was that that was part of like a made for TV like theater production like thing that then if I remember correctly from two years ago uh, around this time of year the like theater program thing got canceled and so the last few movies just got put in theaters i may be also misremembering that entirely but if i feel like that had some sort of played on tv shine to uh, shine there's no shine to that movie. <laughs> uh uh but th- that's a weird little wrinkle in that one if i remember yeah. correctly and it's entirely possible that i don't but, but it's also just certainly possible that things have gotten around the academy's rules like it just showed on tv without them knowing it like i think yeah. there was a film film that like I, I think it was either a short film or a foreign language nominee that got that was nominated and then had its nomination revoked because it turned out it was shown on tv before uh, but yeah and i and i remember that there was one uh documentary feature winner that was just like a segment of like a news show right that like a, yeah. like just one missing kid or something like that and then there's also like previous cases of what's the the uh is it an occurrence on Owl Street Bridge that was a short film winner that was just an episode of the Twilight Zone or maybe got showed later as an episode of the Twilight Zone maybe maybe that, maybe it's that makes like, sense th- that because like the, the occurrence of Owl Street Bridge is like weirdly popular I've never known why but that would make sense if it was like considered an episode of the Twilight Zone or something like that I think Lisa. maybe what happened with that if I remember correctly is that it you know, was just a short film that won the Oscar and then later was aired as an episode of the Twilight Zone as like, hey, this fits our style. Let's make it a let's make it an episode. We don't even have to film anything. Oh, yeah. The film was later screened on American television as episode 22 of the fifth season of the Twilight Zone. Makes sense. Uh, Is there anything else we want to say about this performance or do we want to move on to the rest of the movie? I just think that this is a funny movie yeah he's just, he plays a funny character yeah
So is there anything else you want to say about the rest of the movie or do we want to move on to the Oscars? Let's move on. Okay. So like you mentioned, this gets a handful of precursor uh, attentions. I don't know why I phrased it like that. Uh, the Golden <laughs> Globes. Attention. You got precursor attentions. Uh, the Golden Globes, uh, James Whitmore nominated for Best Actor in a Drama. It's the same Oscar lineup except without Walter Matthau. And instead they have Gene Hackman in The French Connection 2, uh, which I ha- having not seen, it's still funny to me that there's a sequel to The French Connection. Yeah, it, it's like Chinatown 2, The Two Jakes or whatever. Yes, exactly. Or uh, uh, Texasville, the... Uh, uh, last picture show sequel oh my god Something like that yeah I, I thought you were about to say it was a sequel to nashville <laughs> no no it, it's the last picture show is a sequel uh or i i went on this uh riff a couple weeks ago on the wall street episode just talking about other uh, uh actors that reprised their oscar oscar winning roles and those are among them uh and then also yeah like you said the grammys uh wins uh, best spoken word album for the the recording of the movie and then also james whitmore wins best spoken word recording beating out orson wells for immortal sherlock holmes mercury theater on air which based on the title i can only assume is a sherlock holmes thing but you never know you also got maureen stapleton reading to kill a mockingbird oh uh that isn't on the imdb page but cool i i, oh, yeah. I, IMDb, I, I just... i'm sure is incomplete I went to the wiki page and it's just like we got Maureen Stapleton, we got uh, Claudia McNeil reading the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman. Oh wow! Rich- Richard Harris for The Prophet, and Alistair Cook, whoever that is, with Talk About America. Interesting. Uh, this, yeah, this is. Did you look at just like the Grammys at large? There's some interesting stuff this year. This is a song of the year goes to Send in the Clowns. Oh yeah, is neat. that's such an interesting one. Like, yeah. Uh, but record, I'm, I'm, oh. I'm I'm glad that Sondheim has a Grammy. Yes, uh, multiple uh, probably. I'm sh- I would be shocked. Uh, record of the year goes to Love Will Keep Us Together, uh, Captain and Tennille, uh, Rhinestone Cowboy also nominated for Record of the Year. And I'm just going off IMDb, which I'm sure is incomplete on a lot of these. Uh, what other songs? Um, oh, uh, the, uh, best rhythm and blues song uh goes to where is the love beating out that's the way i like it get down tonight and ease on down the road from the whiz right nice that's, that's the whiz um, yeah yeah uh richard burton jonathan winters and billy simpson win best recording for children for a uh, record of the little prince yeah I, interesting. I, I, w- I was about to mention that i'm like i'm on the wikipedia page it's like i was gonna mention that next time you had a pause yeah but then you said it so it's yeah, like that. Uh, Ray Charles wins uh, in this year for something. Natalie Cole, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Paul Linda Simon, Willie yeah. Nelson. Eagles uh, for Lion Eyes win Best Pop Vocal Performance by a Duo, Group, or Chorus. Fucking hate the Eagles. Yeah. That's uh, who else? F- Funny reference. <laughs> yes. Yes. Funny <laughs> reference to movie. Uh, Dizzy Gillespie, Chick Corea, uh, Michael Legrand. Uh, who else? Muddy Waters, uh, Willie Nelson, uh, Linda Ronstadt, like you said, beating out uh, for, for best country vocal performance, beating out Jolene, which I uh, was kind of surprised by. Uh, uh, Linda Ronstadt for I Can't Help It If I'm Still in Love with You. Um, 
Chris Christopherson wins a Grammy in this year. Richard Pryor wins the Best Comedy Recording one. Nice. Uh, who else? Anyone else of note? I'm sure there's other. I'm just looking also at just at the winners. Mm-hmm. Um, album of the year goes to Still Crazy After All These Years. The uh, Paul Simon, it looks like, probably because yes. IMDb is, is listing the producers. It lists Phil Ramone as the first producer and then Paul Simon. So at first I was like, who's this Phil Ramone guy? And then, oh, it's probably a, a Paul Simon album. That would make sense. Uh, and and jo- John Williams for album of best original score written for a motion picture or a television special for Jaws. Nice. Good job, John Williams. Keep keep up the good work. Yeah. He's, he's, he's still going. He's still... You'll, you'll make it one day. Yes. Much like uh, Hayao Miyazaki. Continu- continuously retiring. <laughs> always retiring. Always, always retiring. retirement. It's all... like if if he dies, he will come back to life just to make another movie. Yes. And then another, die again. Another Star War. Mm-hmm. Uh do we want to talk? I mean, I've I've talked plenty of times about 1975 before on this show, and it's still not my last one. This is my sixth 1975 episode, and I've still got another. Wow. But uh yeah, do we want to talk about some of the other Oscars this year, if just to talk about them? Because there's there's no other avenues to talk about Give Him Hell, Harry. Like, I just want is, to say one this thing. This is the one, yes. About the best spoken, best spoken word album category. Because I think it's a very funny category. Because it's it's essentially the audiobook category. Yes. And it's like, and first, like, we have... In the first three years of the category, two of them are awarded to uh, people who are reading the words of presidents or like pretending to be presidents. Yeah. Like there's one for Lincoln and one for FDR. And it's just like it's just a constant thing with this category that it has rewards people doing president stuff like with given how Harry and stuff. Yeah. And it and further on that. Uh, Bill Clinton and Barack Obama and Jimmy Carter have all won Grammys in this category. And also, do you, like, do you remember who Bill Clinton's Grammy in this category is shared with? Uh, I, I think he might have multiple Grammys, but uh, okay, I, maybe he does. Um, oh no, I'm thinking of a different category. I'm thinking of children's recording. Um, um what, what what's that category? What, what's uh, let let me find it specifically so I'm not missing anyone. Uh, because it's a wild lineup. It's a it's a Peter and the Wolf uh, okay. version, and. I just looked up Bill Clinton. Just like I just googled Bill Clinton, assuming that would get it. Uh, for some <laughs> <reason>. <laughs> okay, that's surely the most notable thing Bill Clinton yes. has okay. done. Okay, uh, uh, in 2004, he received a Grammy Award for Best Spoken Word Album for Children for narrating the Russian National Orchestra's album Wolf Tracks and Peter and the Wolf, along with get this, Sophia Loren and Mikhail Gorbachev. <laughs> album for peace i guess yeah just like imagine those three in the recording booth because i imagine i mean i'm sure they didn't actually record it together but i'd really like it if they did i mean i i wouldn't put a pass them to record it together but then again they might be all very busy yeah i would imagine so uh other spoken word grammy winners uh leonard bernstein charles lawton uda hagen Edward R. Murrow, Martin Luther King Jr., Richard Harris. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next year after this, 
Henry Fonda, Helen Hayes, James Earl Jones, and Orson Welles uh, mm-hmm. uh, in a, a combined win for Great American Documents. Uh, Orson Welles again, John Keelgood, Pat Carroll, Orson Welles again, Ben Kingsley, uh, Johnny Cash, Jerry, Jerry Lee Lewis, Chips Moman, Ricky Nelson, Roy Orbison, Carl Perkins, and Sam Phillips all together. Are you just going to read through everyone? I guess I am. Jesse Jackson, <laughs> Gilda Radner, I, I'm just going to skip Ken to Burns, the end. Ma- Magic Johnson, Maya Angelou, Maya Angelou, Hillary Clinton, Christopher Reeve, LeVar Burton, <laughs> Sidney Poitier, Quincy Jones, Maya Angelou, Al Franken, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, Jimmy Carter, and Ossie Davis and Rob, uh, Ruby D in a tie, beating out Al Franken, Bob Newhart, and Bill Maher. Oh, no. What, what, uh, what the lineup that is? Oh, not, not all together. As, as three separate uh, no, but uh, I I know, but still, it's just like yeah. all of them together. Yeah, Michael J. Fox, John Stewart, Betty White, Stephen Colbert, John Rivers, Jimmy Carter, Carol Burnett, Carrie Fisher, Jimmy Carter. A lot of Jimmy Carter. Just Jimmy like, Carter has a lot of Grammys because he he's got a lot, lot of, of time on his hands. Yeah, Don Cheadle, Viola Davis. Oh yeah, because uh, Viola Davis is a, a EGOT winner now because of that, right? Because yeah. she won this year. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, like that and also spoken word for children are very good like EGOT categories because like that's yes. how Audrey Hepburn got her EGOT as well. Uh, I think there's an, at least one more person. Okay, I know Mel Winslet. Brooks. Yeah, Mel Brooks has his for comedy recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe yeah. I think Mel Brooks has probably won a few Grammys. I would have. Yeah, I, I, I would probably for the producers. I, yeah, I imagine like, I would. You won Grammys for I would that. certainly hope so. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I don't know why I decided to read all of those right now, but it's an interesting set of people. Uh, it, it is a very interesting set of people. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, let's let's finally move on to the 1975 year yes. at large. How do you feel about this best actor lineup to start off? Where, where do you come down on the other four here? So I'll, I'll, I'll take them one by one. So like... As we're saying, I do really like James Whitmore. I think he's a very deserved nominee. Uh, our winner this year, Jack Nicholson. It's a classic performance. I, he's not my favorite in this lineup, but I, I'm i not going to argue with it. Yeah. He's probably one of the better parts of the movie. And it's just like, and I know, and like, there's some problems that I have with it just in terms of like the character and the way he's portrayed. But it's just like, it's not Jack Nicholson's fault or anything. Yeah. He, he does... He does good with the part. Yeah, uh, I do love that movie. I, that that is like sort of a formative, like getting into cinema movie for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but it's ha- a classic for me. Yeah, reason. I haven't revisited it in a while. I don't know how much I, I, I don't know how I would feel about it on a rewatch necessarily. But uh, at least for the, for the current standings, he is my favorite Best Actor winner. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, of wow. the ones I've seen. Yeah, no, I, I'm. A big fan of that performance and again i don't know i don't know how much i'm of that is just sort of like the wow this is you know me as a, a young cinephile seeing what you can do with acting in this performance or who knows who knows uh, if and when i revisit it might have different opinions might not we'll see maybe uh but yeah walter Matthau. i remember nothing about the sunshine boys but i don't think i very much cared for him in it I uh, was sort of ambivalent to the movie when I watched it, other than really disliking Matthau. <laughs> I, I feel like that ends up a lot. Like I, whenever I talk to people about like 
Walter Matthau or whatever. I feel like his Oscar nominations always end up so hated by Oscar buffs. I don't even hate Walter Matthau as a performer in general. I think he can be very fun. I just happen to really not like this one. And uh, for a a uh, Harrison-less uh, moment of Koch Watch, I didn't hate Koch. <laughs> I just think it's very funny that there's a movie out there called Koch. <laughs> It's just a funny word, yeah. Yeah, it's like Fletch. It's Gotch, like... Fletch. What else you got in there? But yeah, um, and then after that we have Al Pacino and Dog Day Afternoon, one of the best performances nominated in this category ever. Yeah, like yeah. just all timer work. We love you, Al Pacino. I think yeah. this it's probably my favorite Al Pacino performance. And it's, it's just like maybe mine too. Actually, now that I I think about it, and that's yeah that's tough but but yeah like this is easily my winner in this category and then maximilian shell and man the glass booth god what the hell is going on there but yeah it's so engaging it's so hard to like i think i probably enjoy i think walter Matthau is better in sunshine boys but maximilian shell is so much more memorable it's yeah. just like he's he is chewing on everything. Oh, I would absolutely cut the Mathau performance before I would cut the Shell performance, just because like the Mathau performance, you can take it or leave it. It's 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 annoying, is really my my takeaway from that. But the Shell performance is fascinating in being what it is. And at the very least, I have to give it that, even if I I'm and I'm I'm taking away both nominations if I can, but mm-hmm. Mathau is getting the cut long before uh, Shell is, mm-hmm. and and it's for more thoughts on that, uh, travel back in time two years or just go to my podcast feed. It's still up there. I didn't remove these. Aren't self deleting. <laughs> they're, they're saved for posterity. This go listen to that. Podcast will self destruct in five seconds. Yes, exactly. If if you don't catch it on the day that it gets released, fuck you. <laughs> you're dead to me this this podcast is already self-destructed <laughs> this, yes this i mean a lot of these podcasts that i do self-destruct in real time as i record them but uh oh boy um i had something else i was going to say just now and i already forgot it oh yeah um it's the i mean the, this came up again when i did that episode but it's still weird to me that they reached far enough to get this performance and the Maximilian Shell performance, and even to an extent the Mathau performance, when there were other contenders that seem more on paper like they would be nominated here, you know? Such as? Such as, like, Roy Scheider in Jaws, or Richard Dreyfus in Jaws, or, uh, uh, why am I blanking now on like Hackman right. in French Connection 2 was uh like we said Globe nominated but like even just some of these other movies um, like Ryan O'Neill and Barry Lyndon yeah I mean I, I, people don't necessarily love that performance but even then that's a movie that's getting nominated across the board or Warren Beatty in Shampoo uh, again same sort of thing but like that still wins an acting Oscar uh uh actually yeah that that's that is a good point about warren Beatty. i'm surprised he's not nominated yeah. here uh connery and kane and the man who would be king seems like that could have uh, either of those could have happened uh what else is even just like oscar nominated 
that could have shown up here. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm like scrolling down to the lower category, seeing like, is there anything else that was like kind of notable? Like, even so, with just those few, like even with uh, yeah, just, like we 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 have a lot of contenders here. Yeah, but, that are like in movies that are getting nominations across the board. That are actors, like like at this point, uh, Scheider would have already been nominated. Dreyfus is yeah. a couple years removed from winning. Ryan O'Neill's been nominated. Warren Beatty's been nominated at least once. Uh, oh, Hackman yeah. just won for that same performance. Like, it, it's yeah. strange that like with all those actors that were like big names in hollywood like big like like in big movies that they went for maximilian shell in like a potentially tv movie about potentially a nazi and james whitmore in arguably not a movie uh uh that like i I get why the nomination happened because it's you know a real powerhouse performance and if you watch it that is literally the one takeaway you're gonna have is wasn't he great but like you just yeah. can't, you you can't tell me more people. I mean, like literally, you cannot tell me more people saw this than saw Jaws because that is just yeah. actually not true. But like, I'm wondering, I don't know, it, how seriously like the Academy was taking Jaws as like a film because like I yes, know. I know yeah. it it got the Best Picture nomination, but at the same time, like this was still in the era where it's just like a film just had to be popular in order to really get the best picture nomination. Yeah. And it didn't get any other above the line nomination. Exactly. So like, I, I think like maybe the performances and stuff just weren't taken as seriously. Be- yeah. Also because it's like a horror movie too. Although yeah. we, we just had the exorcist and that got multiple acting nominations, but uh, those are two different areas. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think Warren Beatty is like the biggest surprise that he's not in here because that is like, yeah, multiple got multiple acting nominations. That he was a popular actor, beloved actor. Gets an acting or, win. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah, it, it also has another nomination supporting actor as well. So it's just like it wouldn't be hard to believe that getting nominated. Yeah, and on the same note as that, it's also kind of weird that like with Best Actress being so famously weird and kind of sparse this year, that Julie Christie and Goldie Hawn weren't able to to make it in there both as previous recent winners in arguably leads like i think the studio put them both in lead and uh, it's kind of weird that they didn't go for it mm-hmm. there either um i i kind of wish we had like more of the precursors at this time like i wish we had the sag nominations back then, yeah just so we could like really compare these things yeah sag this year would have been very interesting i wonder mm-hmm Wonder what they would have gone for. Uh, what's what are the BAFTA nominees this year? Oh, yeah, that... and BAFTA is also weird at this time, just because oh, they have it absolutely different... is. I just don't want to find out what they. Okay, so like they've got Alice doesn't live here anymore, winning Best Picture. Yeah. So Best Actor goes to Al Pacino for Dog Day Afternoon in a tie with Al Pacino for Godfather Part Two, and then also Dustin Hoffman and Lenny, Gene Hackman and French Connection Two, Gene Hackman in Night Moves, and Richard Dreyfuss in Jaws. So Dreyfuss right. did get a BAFTA nomination. And Spielberg got in for director too. Yeah. Uh, who's the lead in the Day of the Locust? No clue. Like uh, I do. William not Atherton that. is top credited on Wikipedia, but you also have Donald Sutherland listed number one on the the regular like other part of the the Wikipedia page where it lists the cast playing. By the way, Donald Sutherland. Homer you Simpson. know, yeah, playing Homer Simpson. Uh, 
interesting little thing there. Yeah. The thing is, I don't even think that was like an intentional thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, because uh, Matt Groening's dad's name is Homer. Yeah. Like Matt Groening literally just named the Simpson family after his own family. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's Bart, which is like his middle name or something, right? I, I think he, it was Bart just an anagram of Brett. Oh, that makes sense. That's right. I remember reading that somewhere a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of tangents in this episode. Yeah. So many tangents. We mentioned uh, The Simpsons three times now. Yes, we have. We we said Flanders. We said the the other. Oh, that was uh, something I was going to ask back on that previous Simpsons tangent. Because uh, I know you've been going through Simpsons episodes and like writing yes. down guest stars. Who voices the the corrupt politician in that? Is it a guest star or is it just like? Oh, like Mayor Quimby is just one of the regular actors. Oh, oh, it's just Mayor Quimby. Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen that episode. I forgot that it was that he was the corrupt one in that episode. Oh, wait, no, you're you're talking the specific episode I mentioned. Yes. Oh, uh, it's just a nobody. Like, it's not a guest star or anything. Okay, that makes sense. That's fair. Uh, I I imagine you probably would have said so if it was somebody like notable, but (laughs) it's it's Senator Joe Biden. (laughs) Oh, no. Voicing himself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They knew I'm just Simpsons wondering. predicted everything. They predicted just... that Joe Biden would be a guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was just a senator at that time. Like, yeah. it was when like we had the Anita Hill stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, that's a uh, 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 back to that again. Um, what else about these Oscars? It's, again, not my last time talking about them because I still got to do uh, that. The uh, Sylvia Miles, what's it called? That's not the right page. That's... Oh yeah, uh, farewell, my lovely. Farewell, my lovely. Right. What happened to those that Oscar page? Here we go. Farewell, my lovely. Yeah. Um. But yeah, six times in 1975. Uh, Give him hell, Harry. Man in the glass booth. Story of Adele H. Hedda Hester Street. And Jacqueline Suzanne's Once Is Not Enough. Mm-hmm. What a what a strange set of movies that is. What it a weird. Surely is. The Oscars should do that more often. When's the yep. last, like, it has been so long since we've had that many weird acting nominations. Like, I think this year is, like, tied for the most lone nominations with 1987 or something. Um, certainly up there. It is one mm-hmm. of the most. I don't have those stats committed to memory for some reason. But, yeah, we've been on a, on a down streak. Like last year, there were four, but the year before that, there was one. A couple years before that, there were two each. Like, we need to get more of these. Get more lone acting yeah. nominations in the field. That That's the real purpose of this podcast, is to raise awareness for, <laughs> for lone acting nominations as a cause celebra. Yeah, it's like, it. it's always it's always better when they spread the wealth, you know? It's, yes. So it's just like, just get more films in there. there Even if sometimes that leads to uh, 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 Man in the Glass Booth or next week's episode which i am recording tomorrow and dreading having to watch the movie for i'm not going to spoil what it is but uh i mean i'm glad to be getting it out of the way but good god i don't want to have to watch that uh bit of a teaser but uh get give me a hint give me a decade 2000s okay okay i i was that narrows it down kind of specifically to one of two i feel like probably but i don't have but, them off the top of my head but when you were explaining that i assumed it was going to be like green goddess or something like that no no recent uh very bad uh uh, uh very bad optics for for being the movie that it is 
Uh, don't want to give away too much, but okay. I I yeah. think you've probably given enough. I've oh. given away enough. You you guys you guys know what it is. You probably <laughs> know what it is, and you're you're cringing at the thought of having to to listen to people talk about that movie for like two mm-hmm. hours. I gotta watch it, and and I gotta be the one talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be a good time though to to rip that apart. Uh, is there anything yeah. else you want? You, you Godspeed. Thank you. Thank you very much. Anything else uh, you want to say about these Oscars? Or do we want to move on to closing time? I just want to, I just want to take a look at best actors here for a second because true, like you were talking about this whole year being like kind of weird, but that year, that category specifically is just so perfectly strange. Yeah, it's just like, like first, like you've got like a foreign language nominee. You've got a, a kind movie. of two almost because Carol Kane's speaking mostly in Yiddish. That's true. That's true. But it's like you you got Carol Kane in like a really underground independent movie that just like just luckily was able to be able to to get the nomination here. And she's also, in my opinion, the best nominee here by a long shot. Uh, But then you also have fucking Anne Margaret and Tommy. Anne Margaret and Tommy, baby. I was waiting for that one. Fuck. Yeah. Oh, my God. God. It's it's I love that performance. It's so beautiful. And I'm so happy the Academy was able to nominate it it's one of the weirdest funniest coolest nominations they've ever gone for just in terms of like why the hell is this oscar nominated but also thank god thank god that it is just just to add some spice to the bunch and it's like yeah probably it's probably more because there's just like not much competition in their eyes which but even which actually pointing out that shampoo wasn't like had two people available it's just like i'm surprised that neither of them got in there's like uh there there were the way people talk about this lineup it sort of reads as like talk about it nowadays like oh they were really grasping at straws these were the only five but like you have both of those from shampoo i think this is the same year as funny lady uh speaking of reprising oscar-winning roles barbara streisand and that um oh yeah there's the like snowboarder movie or something is it is that is that snowboarding am i entirely remembering that that wrong the other side of the mountain i don't think that's snowboarding i don't know what it is uh a ski ski racing racing. i knew it was some some sort of snow travel uh but marilyn hassett in that i think got like a golden globe nomination or something okay yeah, she got a Golden Globe nomination for that. But um, I just, I just realized that I was thinking of a completely different movie because I remember reading The Other Side of the Mountain as a book, but I'm not sure if it's just a coincidence that's the same title. But I remembered it as like an adventure story about like some guy who gets lost in the forest. I mean, but it's a good title to use for that too. Also, a uh, Golden Globe nominated: Karen Black in The Day of the Locust, Faye Dunaway in Three Days of the Condor, Liza Minnelli in Lucky Lady. Like these are all previous oscar nominees and winners around this time that could have been oscar nominated they just weren't and they went for ann margaret and tommy golden globe winner and they went for glenda jackson and hedda speaking of filmed theater kind of yeah i was i was gonna say like hedda is hedda's a weird one too it's like almost not a movie yeah it's like on the same it's like one step above this probably on the same level of man in the glass booth in terms of kind of just being filmed theater mm-hmm. but uh yeah very very strange odd year 
as uh, exemplified by the fact that I've been ta- I've talked about it six times and I'm still not done. Yeah, and I, I it also just contrasts with like Best Picture very well because yes. like Best Picture you have like these five great films that have stood the test of time. It's like this is often considered the best Best Picture lineup of all time, and, and then you reason. just to go to the acting categories and they're just like whack shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I feel like we talked about this a little bit way back on our very first episode when we did marathon man about the sort of similar thing the next year or like maybe no, it was that like, how did it come up? It was, I think in reference to the fact that 1975 great best picture lineup, weird acting lineups and then 1976 just as good best picture lineup and like generally better acting lineups i think is that was even longer ago than man in the glass booth because that was the second episode uh but i feel like i remember maybe making that point then all all those years ago wow how time has flown i do not remember much of that episode like to be honest it is so long ago but it's been a minute but yeah it's just the the academy was very weird in the 70s the academy's always very weird yeah it always has its different quirks across the years it's like there's always something weird going on yeah and like the the other sort of weird thing that seems counterintuitive when i'm talking about how this year seven times uh 70s not counting the 2020s so far because we're not done with it the 70s the only decade without a lone acting winner really every other decade has at least one. Oh, okay that's i th- i thought there was more than i i guess i assumed there was more than i thought yeah but... there's there's like a weird span between uh goldie hawn in 1969 through to i think uh linda hunt in Year of Living Dangerously, where there's just not a lone acting winner. Uh, and then every other decade has at least one, usually more than one. I think they all have more than one, even. Because there's like 30 of them. And so statistically, it would make sense that there's multiple in every decade. But okay. don't quote me on that. Although going through it in my head, that feels right. Okay, but the 2020s hasn't had one yet. Not yet. But statistically, there might be, but also statistically, maybe this is going to break that streak. I'm always, uh, in the past few years since I've been calculating this, been like bracing myself for maybe there's just not going to be one this year. Maybe they're going to break the streak of almost every year having at least one. But uh, that streak's been going at least since 2013. Before that, the most recent year that there wasn't one was 1981. So does happen almost all the time. Nice. Wonder who it could be this year. Too early to speculate on that, but I'm already oh, yeah. speculating on that. Maybe Coleman it, Domingo. Maybe uh, I don't know. Maybe Jeffrey. Maybe Wright. Jeffrey Wright in Asteroid City in uh, uh, American Fiction. The Never t- even heard of that. <laughs> it won People's Choice at TIFF and oh, got okay. uh, uh, is is getting interesting good reviews for him. So I mean. If Jeffrey writes an Oscar nominee this year, I'm not going to complain. Oh, yeah. Like, I, he's way overdue for awards. Attention. Severely. Like, like, I know he's, I know he's won Emmys. I know he's won 
Has he won Tonys? I think he's won Tonys. I would imagine. I know he was nominated at least. I want to look that up. Jeffrey Wright, Tony, does he have one question mark? Why do you phrase it like that? I don't know. I also wrote tiny. So that doesn't even. I'm just just for the sake of comedy. Uh, Yes, he won a Tony for also for Angels in America. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I just. I forgot he was actually in the stage version as well. I also did. Um, no, I just wanted to phrase it like that for the sake of comedy for my podcast. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we need to give Jeffrey Wright everything. Yes, he deserves it. We do. He really does. He should have. He should have won for the French Dispatch. Oh, definitely. Like that it's, is an all-time favorite performance. Uh, is it's it's so good in that. And then Asteroid City. Uh, follows up and he's also great in that mm-hmm. he's got that great monologue in the middle uh yeah so good mm-hmm. we yeah. have gone so far afield from give him hell harry uh yeah we but and you were worried that we weren't going to go over an hour yeah it happens we talk a lot <laughs> on this show is there anything else we want to say about this year's oscars or just sort of in general is there anything else you want to say get it on the record uh, before uh, we move on to closing thoughts uh so i have like my personal like nominees for the year i wasn't sure if that was this section because i know we talk about it sometimes yes yeah we'll we'll yeah we can move on to that okay so in your fantasy world where you get to pick all of the nominations what nominations would you have given to give them hell harry uh so sound editing uh no i'm kidding best supporting actor for the the box office guy <laughs> i was gonna make that joke too i i did really like his like little scene where it's just like you gotta have a playbill or whatever yeah it's like he was he was fun but yeah it best original could... song for the uh the uh the, <laughs> it's the not original inauguration though, unfortunately song. it's like he best adapted song sorry best adapted song best adaptation score for a musical yeah which uh, which tommy is the reason i can't talk about tommy on this goddamn show put this in there instead of tommy and let me talk about tommy (laughs) there we go i mean i mean you have other ways to talk about you can you talked about tommy via i think i've talked about tommy on every single 1975 episode i've done i think it's come up yeah, so you you're fine. And even non 1975 episodes. I watched it for my carnal knowledge episode uh uh for the other Anne Margaret nomination, but uh yeah. You see you like you have plenty of opportunity to talk about Tommy. Yeah. You are fine. And maybe but... if if I ever get on that Patreon and do a exceptions series that's that's the first one I'm doing. If that ever happens, uh I've, I've said it before, I'll say it again starting things off with tommy if that happens i mean that sounds like a good series like just like where it's it feels like a low nominee but then it randomly has best original song or something like Like i I have a i I went through and i I made a list of that not too long ago of movies that have one acting nomination plus another one uh Hmm. let me see if i can find that list uh, I, I know it's it's on my letterbox called Alone Yet Not Alone because I like to think I'm <laughs> of course. Oh my god. That's uh, a good one. That's a good name. <laughs> thank you. If I ever make the series, if I ever make that a mini-series, that's what I'm calling it. Uh yeah, 208 of those, so almost as many as this. I'm yeah. not gonna read them off all of them like I did with all of the Grammy best spoken words. Yeah, fuck it. We can we'll make it to two hours, but 
yeah, there's some interesting ones on that list. Hillbilly Elegy, Extremely mm-hmm. Loud and ex- Incredibly Close, The Wrestler, Devil like Wears Iron Prada. Lady. And... Yeah. 21 Grams, Castaway, Catch Me If You Can. What was Castaway nominated for? Uh, Score for Don Willett. Or no, not Score, uh, uh, Sound. I, I oh, okay. Because Weird. all of the dialogue had to be ADR'd because the sound of the ocean uh, like drowned out everything that uh tom hanks was saying so like oh, all wow. of the dialogue is is adr in that i think that's crazy yeah but then like shadow of the vampire and primary colors speaking of uh, fictional presidents mm. uh usual suspects malcolm x fried green tomatoes big do the right thing hoosiers you said you weren't going to list off. I'm not listing off all of them. There's so many more I'm not reading. I know you're not, but it's also like you're you're listing a lot of them. I know. The you're going to make your words, way baby. all the way I'm back sorry. to beginning. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. No. Okay. Back but to the thing we're supposed to be doing. Any other nominations? James Whitmore, I would nominate for best actor, and it's like, I I would probably nominate it for screenplay as well, but I'm not sure. I'm not really sure how it would would it be an original screenplay because it was written originally for this production, but then it was filmed, so then technically it might be adapted because it wasn't originally written for a film version of the play. I think it's just not eligible for excuse me for screenplay in the same way that like like the Sydney Lumet Long Day's Journey into Night wouldn't be eligible because that's not a a screenplay. It's like literally not a screenplay. It's a it's a stage play. Okay. There's no screenplay being written, so I don't think it's eligible. Okay. okay. But also, it's your own award, so if you want to, if you want to say it is, it's it, it, just in my heart. Fantasy world, yeah. In my heart, it, it gets an award for writing because it is yes. a very well written play. Yeah, I, I, I can get on board with that, even if I don't necessarily go for the nomination specifically. I, I agree with the sentiment. Yeah, um, and it's like. And I would, I do really like the movie as a whole. So it's like, I'm thinking like it, it would be a best picture contender, but it, I don't think it would end up getting nominated just because there are a lot of great movies. this year. Yeah. Famously a great year for film. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked the Whitmore performance. I don't know if it would make my top five of the year just because there's so many good ones. Like we said, Nicholson Pacino the whole cast of Jaws, Tim Curry and Rocky Horror, which mm-hmm. is nowhere near the Academy, but like that would have that's a good performance that I would maybe yeah. throw in there. Um I keep looking down at my notebook as if there's going to be a ninth note that magically appears <laughs> for me to have anything else to say about this movie. Yeah. And I do have like my personal best actor lineup that I can go into if you'd like. Yeah. Yeah. Who do you got so- for this year? So I I only keep two of the actual Oscar nominees. I keep James Whitmore, uh, Shell, and Matthau. Uh, oh yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but I keep Whitmore and Pacino. Oh, and then I also include uh, Stephen Keats and Hester Street. Ooh, I include Robert Mitchum and Farewell, My Lovely. And my winner, my personal winner, is Tim Curry and Rocky Horror Picture Show. Hell yeah, hell yeah! I think. Not having like spent a lot of time writing this out just off the top of my head, Nicholson, Pacino, Roy Scheider, Tim Curry, Stephen Keats' poll is a good poll. 
is there anything else on my letterbox from this year that I'm I'm blanking on? Um, yeah, I'll go for Stephen Keats. That's a good oh, yeah. performance. Yeah, yeah. I think in that case, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you so much for uh, coming on to talk about it and plenty of other things vaguely related to it <laughs> we, we always get on tangents whenever we record together it's it's the way that it should be <laughs> big truman little truman big truman little truman that's uh oh hey we didn't even make the joke that i made in twitter a few months ago about it was got a big guy little guy and fat man and little boy because <laughs> this movie spends very little time on the the atomic bombs yeah there was just like one line about it Like where he says, like, like when people ask me about it and like, if I was told to make the decision again tomorrow, I would make the same decision. And like, that's it. Move right past it. Like the probably the biggest thing in his legacy. Yeah. Like one of the the most controversial parts about him. About American history in general. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it gets two lines in passing. But there's our little pithy joke in reference to your podcast. Big guy, little guy, fat man, little boy. Perfect. Uh, speaking of that other podcast, do you want to plug your stuff? Yes. Uh, so I host a short podcast about short films. Uh, it's about, as the title suggests, we talk about short films. And currently we are going through the Academy Award for Best Animated Short, going through year by year. Gordon, you've been on so many times. A lot of times. Uh, your most recent episode was Manipulation, which is actually coming out uh, tomorrow as of this recording. Oh, hey, nice. Uh, so, which, yeah, we, re- uh, we recorded that like uh, over a month ago. And it's like, this wow, is that, it feels like that was just like a week or two ago. Um, yeah. But also speaking of coming out tomorrow from this recording, this episode will also be coming out tomorrow from this recording. So uh, go seek that out. There uh, gets dropping on the same oh, day, which is nice. Oh my God. That's so great. <laughs> that, that's a fun little, little thing that we didn't time on purpose. Yeah. A little quick deek, but yeah, yeah. And, but you're also going to be, I have like three different episodes scheduled with you in the next two decades of my category. Yeah. Of my I, I know one of them for sure. And I would, I, think i know one of the others oh no i I think i remember all three so yeah we Uh, have one one because of little match girl one because of let's pollute i think you said you wanted to cover oh and then that was not the one i was thinking of uh for one of those but yeah that'll be fun we have a world of tomorrow yes cannot wait cannot wait to talk about hertzfeld um yeah but yeah you you're you're really rounding out the category the the podcast with me I'm excited to be doing so. It's it's a fun show. I'm always happy to to be on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm and I'm curious. You actually also gave me a list of like stuff you'd want to cover after we do uh, yeah. after we finish best animated short. And so we'll we'll try to get to that as well. What, yes, I forgot about that, but yeah, no, that that's also promising. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, I'm probably going to end up adding you to another episode because for the. Once we get to the 2020s, I'm just for the last four episodes that right. it'll, it'll be, it's going to be just like my most frequent guest. So you're going to be on one of those as well. Right. Probably Boy Mole Fox Horse, but I'm not. Totally oh, certain. God. I mean, I I loved the other four in that lineup, so it'll be worth it for that. But I am yeah. dreading having to watch 
Boimel Fox Horse again. It'll be okay because we will vent out our anger profusely, as I have for like half of my episodes since watching that film. That's a movie that I laughed out loud at in the theater multiple times, and not I, for good reasons. I was groaning the whole time. I just wanted it to end. I, I feel like I would have, except for the fact that I w- like uh, this year I went to like uh, the the theater near me did all fifteen shorts like in an afternoon. And I oh. went to see all of those with my mom. And there was a certain point in Boy Mole Fox Horse where we sort of looked at each other and realized this is terrible. And it made the whole experience much more pleasant to have someone to laugh at it with. So what, hopefully. I'm curious. So like, what was the order of them? Uh, of the, the, of the animated three ones specifically? shorts programs. Oh, it went. I know it ended on documentary. I, okay. Don't remember if it's, I think it started with live action. No, it would have okay. started with animated because the very first one was Ostrich told me the world doesn't exist. Okay. Because like I'm, I'm just trying, actually. Wait, last... no, maybe it did start with live action. I don't remember. I think it started with live action. Yeah, I, I'm just thinking it's a slave. But actually, like, it, I guess with last year, it didn't really, doesn't really matter too much because there w- wasn't, none of those categories were that terrible like live Other action than, had a, yeah live action had a few duds there was the one really bad documentary short but it's like which, which add, one was the re- one really bad documentary short i'm curious uh the one about the racist guy yeah that was an odd one yeah but but yeah it's like as a whole it's like it's not it, it's a pretty solid lineup in terms yeah. of it, considering how bad things could have been yeah have been in the past it's like, yeah, we'll we'll take what we can get. Yeah, We're, we've also now gone longer than give him hell, Harry, which I wasn't expecting, <laughs> uh, but it happens, and I'm glad it does. So, uh, uh, you know, you I, can... I'd be curious, like, how many of your podcasts go longer than the actual movie? Plenty. Uh, my something's got to give episode went almost three hours. Oh my god. You can find this show on Twitter and Letterboxd at Lone Acting Noms and on Instagram at The Lone Acting Nominees. That'll be it for this episode. Thank you.